0: there and welcome to Meet Me in the Middle, the podcast that seeks out the middle ground uh, in wellness, trends, history. We're going to be talking a little bit about history today. I'm Annika Buckle.
1: And I'm Jenny Omani. And we would really appreciate if you appreciate us, we appreciate you. And we extra appreciate you if you give us a little review on whatever platform you're listening to us through um share with friends share it through social media everybody can link now on instagram so you know you just got to copy and paste that old link in there and it means a lot to us
0: awesome so we are this is the first episode of our um summer series we're doing something a little bit different this summer where we're going to attempt slightly shorter episodes (laughs) i don't know i have a lot of notes today we'll see how it goes but Um, What we're going to do is we're just going to do a little walkthrough of the last hundred years of wellness trends. So each week you can expect an episode from us that is um, talking about a different decade. Sometimes it'll be a very specific health trend within that decade. Sometimes it'll be more general. Um, But I'm really excited because I think um, it's just... There's so many things that the more they change, the more they stay the same. And there's also so many things that are just absolutely seem totally, What? Well, how could this ever have existed? <laughs> Okay. So I'm going to kick off this week with the 1920s, which I'm really excited about because if there's a historical period that I think I probably um, lived in in previous life, it's like the 1920s to the 1940s, especially in the twenties, this kind of like the new flappers, women expanding their freedom, dancing, fashion,
1: glamour, um, pants.
0: Probably... <laughs> right? Come on. Women
1: could wear pants.
0: Um, I think I was probably like running a speakeasy in Chicago in the 20s, or like oh, I was a fine. showgirl in New York, or something. I just, anyways, I just love it. I really love this description in particular of the Roaring 20s, where quote Americans weren't as interested in exercising, but rather preferred partying, eating, and drinking.
1: I mean, yeah, sounds pretty good. <laughs> so, I sound, I feel tired just hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like my 20s.
0: Right. I mean, I had some. Roaring D- 20s didn't we myself. all have
1: roaring 20s? Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> um, it's really interesting to kind of look at some of the parallels between the 1920s and the 2020s. And I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it. But what I think is really interesting is we kind of saw this resurgence last year on kind of TikTok with 20s inspired makeup looks. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I mean, if you think about it, this really makes a lot of sense. What were the 20s? It was an explosion of creativity and freedom that emerged after a devastating worldwide pandemic. Does that sound familiar to anyone?
1: (laughs) And there was also that little war that happened. That that little thing. (laughs) Whereas wars now happen
0: constantly all the time. I know. But it wasn't all dancing girls in short skirts. So let's talk a little bit about the cultural context. And then we can look at some of the wellness trends over the time. Um, I do first want to talk a little bit more about kind of the rise of the flapper aesthetic. Because it really marked a way like a change in the way that people, especially women, were allowed to look, expected to look. Mm -hmm. And I mean, truly, what is mainstream wellness, if not a commodification of what bodies, women's bodies are supposed to look like?
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um,
0: I really love this definition of a flapper um, that I found published in the magazine, The Flapper in 1922, um, which I will put the link to this in the show notes because it is so interesting to look at, but I'm just going to put their description here and Jenny, I'll just have you read it out of the chat.
1: Bobbed hair, powder and rouge on the face, use of lipstick, plucked eyebrows, low cut sleeveless bodice, absence of corset, little underclothing, high skirts and roll your own stockings. Can I just say that the plucked eyebrows really (laughs) speaks more 1990s than anything, but Okay. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, this was a popularization of the party girl of the day, mm-hmm. right? Prior mm-hmm. to this time, generally heavy cosmetics were almost exclusively for sex workers. And mm-hmm. the cultural importance of the end of the popular use of the corset, I think, cannot be overstated at this time. Yeah. It was kind of the perfect death of the corset, actually, because in 1917, the US War Industries Board asked women to stop buying corsets to free up metal for war production.
1: So okay. It is nice. I was just trying to think about. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> you know what, ladies? Sorry, we can't make corsets for you anymore. We're like also munitions.
1: like a year. It's also like a year before the war ended. Like they probably could have got on that a little sooner.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they just were getting real desperate at the end. So, yeah, I so. I mean, this is what fashion does, right? Fashion responds to trends that are already happening. Um, but I mean, of course, the death of the corset was not just aesthetic. Because what does it mean if we stop artificially making women's bodies smaller with hardware? Well, then we have to make it smaller with software, obviously. <laughs> this is where diet comes in. Oh. So the aesthetic that came along with this, like, quote unquote, new woman was lean and androgynous this female silhouette that was like very modern didn't have really any curves right previously curves were a mark of wealth like you had enough money to eat and oh, now that, so that starts to feel old fashioned right um if your body wasn't just naturally that aesthetic this is when we start to see a huge rise in women's magazines putting you know pages and pages into depicting being fat as the result of insufficient willpower so you know, coupling this with the popularization of the household scale, which is its own weirdly fascinating history, I found a fascinating article on Medium that I'll put in the show notes um about kind of the the history of the bathroom scale. But I mean, keeping in mind that even up to the end of World War II, more than 50% of American households didn't have indoor plumbing. All of a sudden the bathroom scale was in like every house in the country.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: Um, But basically, this just gives us a new set of things to obsess over, right? A new set of numbers. It was a tool to start to really quantify weight as, you know, good numbers and bad numbers. Something you could look at, something you could track, something you could beat yourself up about, something you could strive for, right? That had a quantifiable number. Unsurprisingly, all of this led to the popularization of the crash diet.
1: Yay. Oh, really? It's that old?
0: Uh Uh-huh. I know I was really I was really surprised as I was looking at this um but it was like a
1: 1980s thing I know I
0: it feels like it doesn't it but it's very much not so uh the 1920s gave us our very first weight loss bestseller book called diet and health with key to the calories by dr lulu hunt peters (laughs) um I found a summary uh, in an excellent article about diets in the 1920s by Anne Eubank, but I'm going to put this in the chat for you to read.
1: With a chatty style and goofy illustrations, Peters told readers to ignore the unhelpful advice of friends and family about the dangers of reducing. Food as fuel was the mantra. Any food eaten beyond what your system requires for its energy growth and repair is fattening or as an irritant or both or is an irritant or both. She wrote, a sample lunch consisted of cottage cheese. I had no idea cottage cheese was that old, too. Anyways, also something I thought that came in the 80s. Um, a sample lunch consisted of cottage cheese and a French roll, unbuttered. To resist the lure of eating, Peters urged her audience to regard all food as potential calories. I mean, that. I guess that's true, but... Okay. The responsibility of watching one's weight, she wrote, was a worthwhile but lifelong struggle. Ew. Diet and Health became the best selling nonfiction book of 1922. You know what I find really interesting about some of this is she does that thing where it's like, take something that's not wrong at all and then just <laughs> makes it kind of evil. Like, food is fuel. Yes, exactly. Right. That's why you need to eat. Right. <laughs> I also love the that it's like, her- fuel
0: but you as a woman aren't actually going to need any of that
1: and clearly fruits and vegetables were not deemed super healthy because the sample lunch is cottage cheese and like a, a bun like that's like I mean bo- first
0: of all I am starving reading that that would be lunch
1: <laughs> I love a good French roll absolutely fuck you if there's no butter on it but I do (laughs) love a good roll I've never been a cottage cheese person but that's just me me either
0: but that's me and look I appreciate all kinds of other delicious dairy products so
1: and like she's not wrong food is potential food is not just potential calories like it is calories like that's (laughs) that's the point it (laughs) is and I hate that she she also just calls it a lifelong struggle because she's also not wrong Like Mm -hmm. most of this is not wrong, but it's framing. It's kind of just like that tough love. Like, I'm just going to tell it like it is. And this is the way it is. And it's going to be a lifelong struggle. But here we are.
0: Right. You are probably going to be hungry forever and you are constantly going to have to deny yourself the end.
1: And that's just the way it is. And when you read that in a book Mm -hmm. and that's your experience, you're like, well, then this must be the rest of this must also be correct because she's right. Well, it's and a struggle.
0: I, this is just it. I this I as I was reading this paragraph, I just thought, you know, this feels like it could have been written in the eighties, but a hundred percent. To I think it speaks to how entrenched this ideology is because mm-hmm. it's a hundred years later, and we're still having a conversation about how people can eat less. We're still seeing a huge increase in Ozempic. We're still all of these things. It's just dressed up in a different outfit, but it's all the same propaganda.
1: Well, and I, I, the elephant in the room is that like, this is coming right before the depression when people are literally going to starve to death. Right. And here's this like, you know, careful with your food intake, it's calories. And then there's going to be this horrific period of time where people cannot afford any calories and starve.
0: Right. Well, and again, I think it speaks to, we see this now too, right? It's a position of privilege to choose to have access to food and to choose not to eat, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Privilege, morality, and just kind of like, if you have willpower if you right. have like it's right. kind of it's well and again right well steadfastness yeah
0: when we see this written in the magazines right it's a well if you're fat, it's because you don't have any willpower this is mm-hmm. a lifelong struggle you just need to try harder you mm-hmm. just need to do it better right mm-hmm. so most of the diet advice around this time sounds exactly like what we'd hear for the next hundred years you know more vegetables generally less You know, no no none of the stars are eating potatoes, nobody's eating butter. Um, you know, we really see this spike in the popularization of specific crash diets. So the big one at the time was called the 18-day diet. Um, it is now known as the grapefruit diet. Oh, it had a rebrand. Yeah, but this is this came into vogue because it was something all of the Hollywood stars did to try to keep their weight within their studio contracts. Yes. If you were a woman who was an actor in Hollywood in the 20s, you had a weight clause in your contract. You oh, could not go God. over a certain weight. So let's well, just like- and
1: this is when they start giving them amphetamines in mm-hmm. Hollywood too, right? Mm-hmm.
0: And we Gosh. there's this huge spike in, you know, a number of fairly young, you know, Hollywood starlets having really serious, significant health problems, dying yeah. of- malnutrition and drug overdoses like it's really dark
1: oh yeah I mean just not the same time period exactly but look up like Judy Garland and everything she went yes. through yeah right and that's just probably one of the more famous versions like she made it but for everyone who like air quotes makes it how many
0: don't, don't. yeah
1: but yeah. we're subjected to the same if not worse because they weren't quite as famous, as famous
0: right yeah yeah Yeah. So this 18 day diet was essentially 500 calories a day for 18 days. Oh my God. Yeah. It was grapefruit. It was very small amounts of very watery vegetables. So like iceberg lettuce, watercress, um, cucumber, things like six slices of cucumber and um, amelba toast was like lunch one day. I just very small amount of lean proteins at one of your three meals a day. And that was it. That was basically it. Which I mean, it's a wonder. It's a wonder more people didn't die. And I
1: don't mean that glibly. I really, well, they probably didn't die because their air quotes willpower <laughs> also known as their, <laughs> their like hunger cues. From their body screaming to not die just had them eat real food
0: i just can't imagine well and I, I the slightest inconvenience and i would need to reward myself with something other than half a grapefruit which is oh what my god got can can to have for-
1: cups of coffee not even a grapefruit. whole grapefruit half a half grapefruit a- half for
0: breakfast and half for lunch oh <laughs> yeah Ugh. so all of this crash dieting didn't mean that there was no exercise happening in the 20s because the early 1900s is where we start to see fitness machines being such a big deal. Oh, yes. What I find particularly interesting slash hilarious is that spandex wasn't invented until
1: 1959.
0: So activewear at the time was dresses, high heels,
1: pearls. Pearls.
0: Uh-huh. I'm going to link these in the show notes, but um I'm just going to send you a couple of photos oh, in the chat to look at because um Been
1: waiting for some photos.
0: They are just delightful.
1: <laughs> this glamorous woman has heels. Can nice, I like kitten heel? Um, And she's got one of those, this is exactly what I pictured, one of those belts, like the belt that like you put around your yes. waist and it shakes you, shakes vibrio, it all off.
0: or vibrio it was called. But she's
1: wearing like a starlet kind of like almost like kimono lingerie sort of type piece yeah. with like a kimono. She looks like she would have like a cigarette in like one of those long cigarette holders. <laughs> yes. Like yeah. classic sort of old movie star vibes, but exercising, I don't, I mean, I think we can air quote the exercising, uh, exercising <laughs> with this like band. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So the next exercise machine, this is like, uh, OG, Like this is the precursor to okay. what you love to do.
1: Yeah. So it's like a stationary bike. Um, looks like it's got two wheels, but they're side by side, not sort of, you know, tandem, like we're used to seeing, um, it almost looks like a unicycle with like a second yeah. wheel beside it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, and it, like a
0: series of like wrenches at the top. Like I don't totally, I think
1: that's just the structure. It, it really have... looks like it
0: was made in somebody's garage.
1: I'm sure it, it probably wasn't, was but... <laughs> at some point though. The prototype would have been. Yeah. Um, I mean, she'd probably actually get some exercise if she wasn't wearing heels. Um, <laughs> And I also love that they're all wearing white right like, like just the worst color I could possibly but imagine she's just wearing like a normal outfit is this supposed to be active wear because it just looks like something I, I mean those are like pantaloons so maybe well
0: so I mean that's different right I mean but her yes. hair's
1: done her makeup's done yep
0: jewelry yeah, they
1: obviously didn't get the memo that exercising with makeup on is like not the best thing for <laughs> your skin it's
0: terrible um and then this is the last one that i've just sent through definitely like i feel like we're getting a little closer to something that feels um
1: like actual exercise
0: right like she's wearing a wool oh, sweater she's got shoes and... that
1: don't have a heel right. <laughs> right um she's got like that hair the flapper hair the like mm-hmm. short bob with bangs like exactly the epitome of what you would expect flapper hair to be but she's got a nice little jaunty sweater and some pants this is really from the 1920s yeah is this oh okay because this outfit seems more like I could see someone wearing this outfit today Uh, again (laughs) is it the
0: 1920s or the (laughs) 2020s it's
1: like white sort of linen looking pants
0: yeah yeah. So those are kind of the big, you know, quote unquote, like fitness machines of the time. Mm-hmm. And again, like what it's certainly it's not it's not the Peloton of today, but no, it is, you know, it, this is what's happening in movement for women who are doing any sort of movement. And I think, again, this tends to be something, you know, that it, this isn't widely accessible. This isn't Um, this is very much like a privileged Like upper class white women are doing this, but yes. um, And you can tell that from
1: the photos. Like they're all very well dressed. Yes. Um, Their hair is very, like, perfectly done makeup. Like they look like wealthy women.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. I have two more um, wellness trends that I want to touch on before we wrap up. And I know that I have already said so much, but I think these are two of the most important to talk about because what I hope is that someday. We look back on all of the weight loss stuff of the last hundred years, the way that we're going to think about these two things. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, the second to last wellness trend I want to talk about that marked a really huge shift was something that happened to Coco Chanel, famous Mm. fashion designer in 1923. (laughs) She was on her yacht in the French Riviera on her way to Cannes, as you know, you do.
1: When you Coco Chanel,
0: (laughs) she was on the top deck and she fell asleep, which led to her getting a pretty dark tan. All of a sudden, tanning shifted from being something of the lower class toiling in the fields all day to something that was chic, fashionable, signaling leisure time to lay around outside. She just
1: forgot and fell asleep.
0: She just she fell asleep.
1: Oh, sister, okay. sister
0: had a nap on her yacht and all of a sudden. make a mountain out
1: of a molehill. Like she literally.
0: I mean, all of a sudden, Coco it was. Chanel. This is one of those things I feel like where, you know, people get kind of crazy about whatever a celebrity is doing.
1: Oh, the celebrity's doing it. Oh my yeah. goodness. Coco Chanel is tanned. We all must tan. Even though she's <laughs> like, dudes, i had an epic nap. It went
0: on longer than it was supposed to. <laughs> I really thought I was going to get woken up by one of my staff, but I didn't. Oh um. God. So, I mean, in a lot of ways, I think this is more of a beauty trend than a wellness trend, but I think it's especially important to address because oh, of all ties the things in for sure. we talked about, especially around like racism in our yep. clean beauty episode you know, we're here in 2023 and the beauty standards are still very much centered around thin white women, but this is the start of the shift that we start to see. And also one that we know is incredibly unhealthy and carcinogenic. (laughs) It took a significant amount of time for us to figure out how bad it was for us. But this is, I think, what's really important as we have conversations around modern wellness, right? is just because something seems like it's a good idea now because a celebrity is doing it does not make it healthy, safe, or a good idea.
1: You know what I find so interesting about that is, like, in the 1920s, for something as simple as that spreading the way that it did before social media, before, like, before, I mean... Yes, there were telephones and whatnot, but like, not everyone would have had a telephone.
0: No, but it's people didn't black even and white print.
1: <laughs> totally. It's black and white print. So well, like... no,
0: it is. There is some color print. And we'll talk about that with oh, the final so thing like we're going to talk about in a minute. That she... You would have been able to tell.
1: Okay. But still the fact that it spread mm-hmm. the way that it did. And today is still, I mean, I think we're kind of moving away. I mean, we still like a 10, but it, we prefer it from a bottle. <laughs>
0: Well, but it is still, you know, a marker of it's I think going
1: away and like Right, yes. exactly.
0: Yeah, it the healthy glow of a tan. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, exactly.
1: That's
0: um okay, the final uh, wellness trend from the 1920s. Um Jenny, I'm going to send you another picture and I just want you to read this is an advertisement. I just want you to read what it says.
1: <clears throat> to keep a slender figure No one can deny. Reach for a lucky instead of a sweet. The lucky are cigarettes. (laughs) Oh, interesting. So it's there's a little quote, like as if it's like a testimonial. It says, (laughs) it's toasted. No throat irritation and no cough. Oh, another person made popular.
0: Yeah, this is smoking as a way to lose weight or smoking as a way to, you know, Quote unquote, keep your weight down as the language was around at the time. And this was one of the most significant health trends of the 1920s. Not only was cigarettes appetite suppressing quality and asset, but it was part of this new sexy bad girl flapper image that, you know, Mm. is becoming very mainstream. Mm-hmm. these ads colored ad plastered in women's magazines right across from an article talking about how to slim your figure, how much you're supposed to weigh, how you know what the latest fad diet out of Hollywood is. This really becomes a one two punch of, you know, how we're going to police women's bodies at the time and what you're supposed to look like and how you what you can buy to get there.
1: <laughs> and also it's before they knew it was really really detrimental for health, mm-hmm. like cigarettes at one point were kind of like a cure-all. Right. Right? Like yep. the royal family, many members of the royal family smoked like it was like a thing. Yeah. Didn't they they like told uh King George, whatever number he was, to that it would help like calm his vocal cords and whatnot. I mean it's and he, so
0: weird when you and he ended up dying from right? lung cancer. But, surprise, right? surprise. <laughs> Reach for a lucky instead of a sweet. Thanks, Lucky Strike. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. 1920s you're uh you're eating half a grapefruit, you're smoking a lucky strike, and if you personally are extra lucky, you might be in your pearls and kimono uh, on a vibrating belt machine.
1: thanks so much for listening to me in the middle. We really appreciate your support. And if you could do us a big favor and subscribe and share this podcast, it would mean the world to us.